New York Herald Tribune. New York Herald Tribune. Read all about. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't warned about this intro. What bit are we doing here? <laughs> what is Hello it? Hello <laughs> and welcome to Kayla and Harrison. Won't shut up. <laughs> I think. Hi, Kayla. <laughs> What? Hi, Harrison. So what? Tell me about that. What are we doing? Talking about newspapers? Like, what movie are we talking about here? A newspaper on newsies? Are we talking about newsies? We're talking about newsies. That was a... Um, oh, that's we, a good voice. Thank you. That was... Um, I was throwing the audience off because that is oh. a quote from Breathless by Jean-Luc Godard, which oh. starred Gene Seberg, who we're talking about today, in a different movie called Seberg. <laughs> You can't tell, but I'm eating the microphone right now. Um, yeah, that's not throwing the audience off. That was just throwing me off because I didn't research the French New Wave. Well, how dare you? And, um, well, I'm sure. Did we study the French New Wave in college? Oh, for I mean, sure. I know we did, but like, you know. You don't remember watching Breathless? Uh, no. Well, that's what Seberg is famous what, for. What class did we watch that in? Oh, God only knows. Film one. Film two. <laughs> wow. Uh, we watched it in film 101. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I remember being really aggravated by any of the, the Godard or the French New Wave films that we watched in film school. Um, I feel like that may have been the reason why we started doing that fun tradition of getting drunk before class. Oh, that would have That was a different class. But yes, I do remember. <laughs> what a good time. <laughs> How simple life was, <laughs> getting drunk and watching Godard. Because I always found those movies insufferable, personally. Yes, I can see why. And that's what made me a bad film school student, and that's why I teach science at a middle school now. Yes. <laughs> um, I loved Breathless, but I understand why people don't. Um, I don't remember anything about it. I just remember being like, ah, I'm so sick of beautiful women. <laughs> <laughs> That is a thing you say all the time. <laughs> I do. To this day, you just complain about beautiful women all around you. Uh, uh, I don't remember. I'm looking at stills of Breathless right now, and I actually don't remember this. I don't know that I have ever seen this. So maybe I'm just full of balloons. Maybe. Because you know I, I don't okay, actually. This is gonna... I don't actually think that's a, the Godard film that we were shown. Um. Let me. Beep, 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 beep. What are the movies that he is most known for? It says breathless. Weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I remember that. That film. Yes. Maybe? Possibly. It doesn't matter. The point here is is um, when I first, and you were like, hey, uh, Kayla, we should watch this movie called Seaberg. And I saw the cover, which is uh, K-Stew. Chris, is it Kirsten or Kristen? I do this every time we talk about Kastu, which comes up constantly. Back. How do you say her name? Kristen Stewart. Chris, not Kirsten. No, it's Kristen. Kristen, Kristen Stewart. One hundred percent Kristen. Okay, you know what, Kastu, <laughs> on the cover, she's in a cute little dress and she's got the short blonde haircut. And I swear to God, I was like, why are we gonna watch a movie about Twiggy, the model, who mm. was later a judge on America's Next Top Model? And I guess her real name was Seabury. It's not about Twiggy Harrison. It's not about Twiggy at all. Um, 
Definitely not. It is about Gene Seberg, who's an who's a famous American actress, best known for the lead role in Jean-Luc Godard's film Breathless, which you haven't seen. I don't think I have. I think Weekend is what I was thinking of. Um, Oh, love Weekend. Is this the one where they spend a lot of time driving in front of um, palm trees? Yup. There we go. Weekend. Weekend. (laughs) Welcome to the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we're going to review the rest of this movie, isn't that voice? (laughs) Um, So, this movie follows Gene Seberg after coming back to America from Paris. She was married to Romain Gary, who is French. And uh, they're in an open relationship, much to his chagrin, question mark. Wait. Okay, was that established? Because I'm going to be honest with you on this one. I had a really hard time getting through this movie in terms of uh, stopping it and getting snacks and stopping it <laughs> and taking naps and stopping it and talking to my friends on the phone and stopping it and looking at the Instagram. So... Is that established? Like, are they in an open relationship, and do they talk about it? Does it is it brought up in the film, uh, or is that just something we know because these are real people who existed? Well, I don't. It like, is esta- don't it is established remember. in the film. Outside of the film, I assume that they are in an op- they had an open marriage, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I think mm-hmm. I think the issue that her husband ends up having is. More so that she gets pregnant, uh, yes, and gets really involved in what he perceives to be dangerous liaisons, liaisons, Um, and we find out that it's because the government here in America is fucked. Yeah. Also, not only um, did I think this film, this is just. Kayla doesn't know anything embarrassment podcast episode because let me tell you something. <laughs> so I, I thought this was going to be about Twiggy. It was not. Then Michael and I were discussing because he did the watch this with me and we were discussing Hoover and I was oh. having a really hard time understanding anything about American history because I was like Hoover. That's what the FBI uh, building in DC is named. He had something to do with the FBI. He was also the president. And Michael and I had a whole conversation where at the end of it, he was like, you know, there's two different Hoovers, right? Because <laughs> the president was in like the 1920s or 30s and, you're, and this guy is in the 60s and 70s. And I was like, oh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> you knew so that. that. Was embarrassing. I, I knew they were two different people, of course, because I understand time and the sequence of events in American history. Ha, 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 ha. And then I ran away in embarrassment because that was a very embarrassing moment that now everyone knows about. Everyone. Everyone knows. Yes. Um, so why don't you guide us through? Do you? Yeah, I know. I got it. Even though I don't, again, I struggled. I struggled with the plot of this film because I'll tell you, case do. I want to like as an actress. I really like I want to. But the way she speaks in that monotone mm. with like her deadpan and looking back, she does this in all of her movies. Like I it's you know, her style. Like 
she's just always talking like this, and she's always got a very blank look on her face, and she's always talking in this exact. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, her. And she doesn't have a lot of range. It, kind of like, um, you know, the same could be argued for like, uh, um, oh god, Elliot Page or, um. Okay. Yeah. What's his yeah, name? I see that. What's his name? Who was in Scott Pilgrim? Michael Sarah. Michael yes. Sarah. Like they're very one note actors. Yes. Yes. That's exactly it. And there's something about in a way that Elliot Page doesn't bother me when he speaks or when I see him in movies. And the same with Michael Sarah as much. There's just something about Casey where I was like, I just couldn't pay attention. I had such a hard time. It didn't help that. Okay, yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing justice by the plots. The plot of this film. This is a, a biopic. A biopic. Biopic. Lulu, I love you. We've been joined it's by your a auntie cat. Kayla. Yay. Um, bi- um biopic. Biopic. Uh, this biopic. It's so. It's obviously based on true events. Um, uh, the young woman, um, Jean Seberg. She's been living in Paris, shooting a film. She has a husband and a son in Paris. She comes back. To the United States in the late 60s. Um, oh, we can hear the purring of Lou. That's so cute. Pardon the purr. Pardon the purr. She comes back to the United States to shoot a different film. And while she's there, um, she becomes involved with um, a man who's involved with the Black Panther Party. Um, but he's not technically like a uh, organizing member or a leader in it. He's just sort of a a free agent person who's involved with a lot of different organizations in the civil rights movement in the late sixties in Los Angeles is where they are. Los Angeles. And, um, in a fucking obviously because they're so loaded, gorgeous house. Oh yeah. She's <laughs> got this beautiful, what was with the trend? And you know more about architecture. Mid century modern. Like the one where all the walls are glass. Like why would yeah. anyone want that? Oh my God. I want that. that. Are you kidding? That's my dream house. Why would you, I don't, why? No. I mean, you'd have to be, no, even if we were, I could, I could never, I could never. I mean, you have curtains if you yeah, want. Yeah, but I guess I don't, I don't like it at all. Maybe on one, like if you live on the edge of some sort of wilderness or on the edge of the ocean or something like that. It's that opulence, wall all be, opulence. That wall could all be windows, but the wall, like, no, I don't want, Well, the, the, all the glass that was at that house was facing inwards. It was facing the pool. It was the backyard. The other side of the house wasn't like that. I don't know. I, I'm getting off topic, but the point is I hate that kind of house because it makes me scurred. And anyway, so she, she decides that she wants to be, and it was interesting that the movie talks about how even from a young age she was involved with fundraising for the, like, the NAACP, um, and these sort of civil rights issues were important to her. The way the movie presented it at first made it seem very much like she was this... White savior. white... Yeah, this flighty white girl who wanted to be a white savior and who was, like, playing civil rights activist. Because mm-hmm. they don't talk about her history until later in the film, and I didn't know anything about her going into this movie. Um, but also but anyway. the, the framework of this film, I think is really interesting. Admittedly, there is a lot I did not know about this movie after watching it. I was like, this is so fucked up. I have to mm-hmm. learn more about this. And it's like pretty spot on. Everything that happens in this movie is accurate and it's so mm-hmm. fucked up. 
And it's, I feel like this should be on every social studies class and every film class. This movie should be watched as an exercise in how fucked up and the means that government will go to, to villainize a movement despite its good intentions. And I think that it's especially, um, pertinent now given the black lives matter movement um and just how demonized the black panthers were and i think i'm glad all these movies are being made because it's drawing attention to a lived experience that certain people have had to deal with their whole lives and not had the benefit of the doubt of people understanding so i think that in that way this movie is maybe like interesting to a demographic of people who would not otherwise be privy to this information or care enough to consume it. So the FBI is obviously, you know, it's, it's kind of like recently I saw um, this thing and it was like the FBI had the nerve on their Twitter or whatever to post like happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And it was like, mm-hmm. fuck you, you literally did everything to demonize and torture this person while they were living, and now you're going to post a fucking tweet and saying, happy MLK Junior Day. Like, fuck you, go fuck yourself. And I think this that is something... that's like a big, this movie really highlights why um, people feel that way. Yes, um, so I, I want to um, specify, so we should have had Michael on this episode because Michael's a real history buff. Um, and he, we, you know, we had a discussion after this and not only did I learn that J Edgar Hoover is a different person than uh, (laughs) Herbert Hoover. Thank you. Um, by, you know, a lot. (laughs) Um, well, not a lot. I guess they lived at the same time. It doesn't matter. Anyway. Um, what I kind of learned from Michael is that a lot of these things like the, um, I don't know how exactly to say it, the coin, the Cointel Pro, oh, which yeah. was the name of the, the program, which was essentially literally just let's find all the famous people who are supporters of the Black Panthers and of these very civil rights, and let's just embarrass and just ruin their lives and their so careers. That yeah. Stop. Yeah. And it's like the um like the Red Scare or the Lavender Scare. It's sort of like that. Um, let's ruin their reputations and and thus by association, the reputations of these organizations. So much of this stuff that the FBI did was because of J. Edgar Hoover right. and his policies. Not that, you know, obviously anyone who's doing it is complacent in it. And I don't, I did you read anything about the, the FBI agent character? Like about how true any of that was? The, the guy in the film? Oh, it wasn't true. He was like not sympathetic. Like that wasn't a... He okay, wasn't sympathetic so was to real, her. Yeah. Um, so that was that's kind of cheap. But I will say, you know, um, the FBI is a tool like any other law enforcement agency, right? So their history needs to be talked about more just because you can't fix a reputation or you can't do good when people don't even know about atrocities, right? That's right. kind of the problem here. So it, it's – and then you just you watch a film like this, and you mentioned it would be a good curriculum piece, and it never will be because literally within the first like twenty five minutes, there are three sex scenes. Yeah, 
with female nudity. Of course, right. female nudity because blah. Um, but anyway, um, so well, and I'm the, sure that the, there I, are better movies out there to speak to what the, I'm the, referring to. Yeah. There are things in our history that were not always taught because they paint America in a bad light. And it's counterproductive, I believe, because then when you inevitably learn about them later, you feel like you've been lied to. Right. And you feel like things have been kept from you. Um, for me, a big example is I've learned about World War II over and over and over and over again. Um, you know, and I never learned about Japanese internment camps. Mm -hmm. um until later like reading george takei's biography and it was like what yeah and that's crazy so these these sorts of things you know like what the black panther party did do for inner city youth and that that was a huge part of it um and what malcolm x did you don't in i live close to a metropolitan area where malcolm x is a big deal here in alaska juno you know <laughs> yes obviously so, so Malcolm X is a big part of the culture here, but it's not normally, you know? Right. And there's just, we're just not taught about these things, which is really frustrating, especially for me as an educator. Right. No, I mean, like, cut, like, to a cut and dry degree growing up, you're taught, at least in where I grew up, which was the southeast of the United mm -hmm. States, um, that, like, Martin Luther King Jr. was the good activist and Malcolm X was yeah. the bad activist. Which yeah. is wrong. It's just 100% wrong. And mm -hmm. um, I think that this movie delves into that a lot. And it dives into liberation and what was being fought for in that way. And what how the government felt against it, you know. And mm -hmm. I think um, Vince Vaughn did a good job of being a piece of shit in this movie. Because, I mean, I believe that... <laughs> He wasn't acting yeah, that much because <laughs> he is a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> I don't actually know anything about Vince Vaughn. He's a, a big person. Trump lover. Um, oh, is he? Yeah. And he does a good job in this movie being uh, an angry FBI agent um, who doesn't care about what he says or how it affects people's lives. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, this is based for the most part with a few embellishments on the story of Gene Seberg, who was involved in, um, who wanted to be a huge activist with civil rights and so helped Hakeem Jamal um, with in the Black Panthers and donated a lot of money to help inner city youth and, you know, was caught in the crosshairs of the all-out war on celebrities who were helping from the FBI. Um, and they filmed her having sex and mm -hmm. showed it to his wife who ended up attacking her. Um, you know, it ended her relationships. It ended her marriage with her husband. Um, and it really had a severe impact on her mental health. Um, not only did she end up going on to have a miscarriage as a result of the mental torture that they put her through but inevitably um she committed suicide because of it um mm -hmm. and went into a spiraling depression and the fbi um is is the killer like in mm -hmm. in the long run um under the guidance of yes as you were saying the president at the time um not the president the, not, the head of the fbi not the president sorry yeah the head of the fbi at the time um 
and yes, that the vessel, like the FBI, is a vessel for whoever is in control. And I think that we would like to hope that nowadays these unethical measures aren't being taken. But the reality is that they were, and history, as we are taught, is through the lens of what they did being correct, which is wrong. So it's important um, to talk about it, and it's important to um, depict it on screen, I feel like. You know, this is often Hollywood um, is sort of carries the weight of big um, events in history on its shoulders. And I think that this is one good example of that Um, and how there are people who actively tried to do with their um, riches things that benefited the community. And that's not often the case. And I think that, um, yeah, it's really, it was really kind of an eye opening thing for me watching this. Um, mm-hmm. With the exception of, you know, discovering that, um, oh, who is the, who's the detective that we end up liking? But Jack? Is it Jack? Yeah, Jack O'Connell, who plays Jack Solomon. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. one thing that happens in the movie is we end up getting a very young detective who um, is we're supposed to like because he kind of, I guess, has a moral compass, right? We're supposed to like him because at the beginning of the film, he says he likes Captain America. <laughs> right. And his moral compass is that he thinks what's happening to see Gene Seberg is wrong. That doesn't Eventually. that doesn't stop him from doing any of it. It doesn't interfere with him stopping Vince Vaughn's character Carl Kowalski from doing any of it. Um, mm-hmm. But in the end, he tries to come to terms with his conscience by telling her, which is like too fucking little, too late. So, yeah, um, so and that and that character, if you end up, you know, doing any further research, they absolutely didn't have any regret. They are actually more so like Vince Vaughn's character in real life than they were the depiction in this film. So pretty much everyone was trying to ruin Gene Seberg's career for helping the Black Panther Party and helping the youth in the area receive funding so that they could have education and they could have access to resources and childcare, et cetera. And education. I... So I think this movie is about something really important. However, I have a lot of problems with it. Like, a lot of problems with it. Um, I wish that the character um, that, I believe it's pronounced um, Zazie Beats. She's Domino in Deadpool. Oh, yeah. She plays the wife of um, Hakeem. I wish they had talked, I wish they had done more with her. Yeah. You know, I mean, and it's, I know that this is a, a true story and this is what happened, but just, I, it was hard for me to ever really truly feel for Jean Seberg because she just immediately, immediately enters into an affair with Hakim's character with no regard or acknowledgement of the wife or her husband. Not that, I mean, if they're in an open relationship, whatever. Um, but. 
Yeah. I mean, they that don't, part. They but, don't do much with her character. And then when she comes at her, when like when she comes at Jean at that party. Oh, right. The way the way it's acted and the way it's filmed and the way it's shot, you just get this where you're, you feel bad for Jean. But then you're like, no, she's the fucking, she's the problem here. Everything that the wife is saying is right mm-hmm. and true. But there's just something about that character that you can tell the film's trying to be like, but poor Jean Seberg. She's the true victim. And that really rubbed me the wrong way. Especially since I kept thinking throughout this film, like, this is a really interesting subject matter, and I wish the film... Reflected that (laughs) in a better way. Yeah, well, I wish it wasn't maybe about... uh, About Seberg. Maybe, you know, it could be about Hakeem Jamal, who I know nothing about. Um... You know, or his wife. I just feel... And then the fact that they took the white detective, who you're saying wasn't that good in real life, and made him this sympathetic character, it all just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. Um, I will say the on one the one thing about the kind mm-hmm. of uh, quote-unquote affair, um, I think that in the, the movie, in the way that it, things are presented, is mm-hmm. that Gene Seberg is in an open relationship. Her relationship to... Hakeem is mutual and he doesn't mention that he's in a relationship that's also not mutual. So I think maybe she's under the presumption that they're both operating from the same place. Sure. But like, like big takeaway is make sure everything you're doing is consensual people on all parties. Um, because that's not cool. Yeah. So that kind of set me up for not really, feeling sympathetic towards either of them. Obviously, it takes two to cheat. Right. Um, looking up Hakeem Jamal, who was the major character in this film, played by Anthony Mackie, mm-hmm. speaking of we Captain stand. America. Yes. Um, I didn't know this, but I just looked him up to see, because I don't know anything about this man. He was killed. He was killed a couple of years after Seabird's miscarriage. And in the end credits where they go through her life, they don't acknowledge anyone else's. And I get that it's a movie about her, but there's just, it just all rubs me the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't think I'm articulating this very well. Well, I think that's, that... it's difficult because it's about Gene Seberg, you know? Yeah. I, I think it that's the... It doesn't help the... either. There are aspects of Kristen, Kristen Stewart's performance that I really enjoy. Like, I really bought that paranoia and that horror of being watched when no one believes you. Like, I bought that 100%. But as for the rest of her performance, it was so boring to me. That's what kind of, for me, meant, like, I didn't want this film to be about this woman. Right. I I was so much more interested in everything else, but instead I was tried to be manipulated by this film to feeling bad for a very rich white woman, even though the backdrop was the civil rights movement of right. the late sixties. Yeah. See, I, and that's not her fault. I mean, yeah, I as think a the person, I think what I liked about this film was the information that it brought to light. Yes. That's not to say that the vessel that got it to me, mm-hmm. I loved Maybe the more interesting film for me would have been about this Cointel Pro. Um, oh, it's it's Cointel, Cointel Pro. 
which was this 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 um this whole smear campaign where um J. Edgar Hoover and, and his FBI um went after these these people that were associated with the civil rights movement with from the point of view that it was anti American, which obviously is bullshit. Um that would have been a very interesting movie. And maybe there are a bunch of movies about this and I just don't know about them. I also think it's but telling it, like Co Intel Pro, um, which is the counterintelligence program, it was from mm-hmm. 1956 to unknown, which is even more. No, oh, that's alarming. Freaky. Like I, oh mm-hmm. yeah, gross. So it's yeah, no, it's gross. It's gross. And so I think this was an important movie, and in terms of like you said, what it's telling you. But I found the film itself very unpleasant in almost every aspect <laughs> let's give it a rating what you gonna rate it I'm, uh, I'm go-, go for I'm it struggling here i i feel this this subject matter is very interesting it's it's a shame that we you know this isn't a big part of 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 a understanding right of a broader part of like the zeitgeist of modern american um like consciousness acknowledged i do not like this film i don't know that i liked any part of this film. <laughs> uh, so i'm struggling between a one and a two i think i'm gonna go with two because it's not like i hated it i just found the whole experience so hard to get through mm-hmm. it's like woody it seemed fake and woody and I just, I, I'm glad it had nothing to do with the French New Wave because that would have been even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Two out of six, boom. Two out of six. I have a feeling this is going to be finally a break between me and you having the exact same review. Is it? I don't know. Is it? <gasps> it is. Yeah. I'm going to give it a three. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Tell me why. I was... Um impressed with the styling of the film i mean in general it was an okay watch Mm -hmm. i was more interested with the information that it provided like i said i don't know if this was the vessel to get that information if the vessel to get that information to me was like the prettiest and most polished and well done um Mm -hmm. it's kind of a pretty dismal film overall which you know, it wasn't like a fun watch. I was, I didn't feel good after it. I felt like angry. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing. No, it doesn't mean right? it's a bad film. I. Mm-hmm. That being said, like I think all of the acting was really great. Um, I just. Um, I wouldn't say that it's like. A pinnacle of filmmaking. Yeah. I don't know that I need to watch it again. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever been overly impressed by an Amazon original film. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel. I would have to look and see what they are to like know what to compare it to. But like, what's another one off the top of your head? I don't. I just don't. I feel like I if there was a movie that was remarkable to me. Like it, I would recall, like that was when I was like, "Wow, Amazon could make a film." <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I'm so now I'm on the Wikipedia for like list of movies that are. Oh, they're doing Coming to America too. 
Also, I want to. I just like through reading about COINTELPRO on Wikipedia, it says in April 2018, the Atlanta Black Star characterized the FBI, FBI as still engaging in COINTELPRO behavior by surveilling the Black Lives Matter movement, which is not at all surprising to me because these people haven't learned their lesson. Like, <laughs> these people being the FBI, like, it, it would, like, what's perplexing to me is that if these resources and endless money was instead donated to bringing our community together and instead of div- being divisive for the s- for the sake of white supremacy then imagine like the country we could be living in but instead that will never happen because this is a country that benefits from and is built on white supremacy and it is depressing it is, and I, I will say again, to play devil's advocate with the FBI, it's, um, I know for a fact that they, they're sort of like the ACLU, right? Where the problem with the ACLU is that they have the mission uh, of upholding the law and civil liberties, and it extends to everything in a way that might seem counterintuitive, like how the ACLU will back you up if you're the KKK who wants a legal permit for a rally right, or if you're right, Black right, Lives right. Matter who wants a permit for a rally. In a perfect world, that's counterbalanced by the FBI treating every um, every investigation with equal funding and equal acknowledgement of being nonpartisan and non-judgmental and just trying to be an investigative bureau for the protection of our country whether that be internal domestic terrorism, right, you know, or international, anything else, yes. So it's like I, I need the FBI because I don't want uh the Capitol be to be taken over again. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, possibly, let's stop that again. What a fun time that was. Now in the memories yeah. of the past. I guess the. Maybe the, like the larger issue is the lack of transparency and yes, one hundred percent using the idea that it's for your own protection to exist. Well, if you want to talk about, we should really be talking about the CIA, but maybe not because I don't want to be on any more lists, Harrison. Yeah, we're on enough lists. Okay, <laughs> we <laughs> already had to we move live to in Alaska. Alaska. <laughs> I. <laughs> By the way, I'm looking at the list of Amazon Studio films, and I've not heard of most of these. Ooh, name some. Okay, so like just saying the ones that I do know, the the Borat subsequent movie film, which actually I only saw part of, but I really enjoyed. It seems good. Um, a bunch of films I've never heard of, never. Like Radioactive, Chemical Hearts, Get Duked. None of the, I've never in my life. And then Seaberg is here. Oh, the Suspiria movie, the second one. I guess that was Amazon. That's weird. Or not the second one. The remake is what I mean. Mm, never saw um, it. I, I've heard good things about I Am Not Your Negro, but I never watched it. Um, I've heard of the big... This is... I've never... This is crazy. Like, how could there be all these movies I've never heard of? Manchester by the Sea? And it's got all these accolades. I've never heard of it. Oh, uh, Manchester by the Sea was nominated for, like, a bunch of Oscars. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at that, and I'm like, What? What? What's it's happening? about England. It's about England, then. There's a movie called The Only Living Boy in New York. What is this? These are all made up. Ew, Manchester by the Sea stars Casey Affleck. Gross. Oh, I don't know who that is. 
he is a serial sexual assaulter. Oh, wait until our movie we talk about next week. Am I right? You are right. I don't actually know that Manchester by the Sea is about England at all. I think I just made that up. (laughs) Manchester's a place in England, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, this is about a place in Massachusetts. Whoops. Uh, Well, whatever. Look at all these places. The Massachusetts town and other towns. These all sound like they should be in England. Get ready for this. Beverly. Essex. Gloucester. Swampscott. Middleton. Toxbury. I've never heard of such... I mean, I guess that's why it's called New England, am I right? (laughs) I know so much about world geography. Don't worry about any other thing that's made you think she did it. (laughs) All right, well... (laughs) I think we can look up the Amazon originals after, but I think that pretty much settles our review of Seabag. Seabag. So go yeah. watch it or don't. Or don't, honestly. I mean, you don't have to pay for it if you have Prime, so that's a plus. That is true. <laughs> it is informative, but you could learn it probably better from... Um, a book? A book by... Get you a book. Some author who is... <laughs> Maybe has firsthand experience and is black and not a white woman. Boop. Yep. Agreed. All right. Well, thank you. And we'll talk to you next time. So make sure to like, subscribe, share, and whatever. Tell us about guacamole still if you have it from last week. Thank you. <laughs>